0: time of listening to the word. It's all integrated this morning because what we're going to do is go through the coordinated gospels stories of Jesus Christ being born. There are three Gospels. Uh, three of the four Gospels include some Christmas story in them. That would be the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of John. What we've done today is we've we've taken those stories, we've coordinated them into our chronology, and we're going to read through them. And at various times, we'll stop and, and I'll give a little message, uh, some application Uh, About what we've just read, and we'll be singing and worshiping the Lord through song as we go. So, so um, that's the plan for this morning. We're going to start, and I'll 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 pray together, and then we'll go before the Lord. Let's let's do that now, Lord. We want to thank you for the truth of your Word. We thank you that what we read in your Word is what you desire for us to know, Lord. As we look at the the totality of the Christmas story this morning. We ask that you move fresh in our hearts, that you move in a new way and, and speak to us in a, in a clear way today, because it's your word that we stand on. And so we are seeking you this morning and looking for you to teach us. Lord, receive our worship as we sing and pray and, and uh, just expound upon your word. Would you be honored and glorified in all that we do this morning? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Let's go ahead. Let's stand up and sing a song of Advent this morning. Oh, come, Ho oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here, until the Son of God appear. Rejoice! Rejoice! Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Thank you. You may be seated.
0: In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was fully God. The Word was with God in the beginning. All things were created by Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. In Him was life. And the life was the light of mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not mastered it. The true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was created by him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own people did not receive him. Now the word became flesh. And took up residence among us, we saw his glory, the glory of the one and only, full of grace and truth, who came from the Father. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only one, himself God, who is in closest fellowship with the Father, has made him known.
2: During the reign of Herod, king of Judea, there lived a priest named Zechariah who, li- who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah, and he had a wife named Elizabeth, who was a descendant of Aaron. They were both righteous in the sight of God, following all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blamelessly. But they did not have a child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both very old.
3: Now, while Zechariah was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, He was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the holy place of the Lord and burn incense. Now a whole crowd of people were praying outside at the hour of the incense offering. An angel of the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar of incense, appeared to him. And Zechariah was visibly shaken when he saw the angel, was seized with fear. But the angel said to him,
2: Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you will name him John. Joy and gladness will come to you, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go as a forerunner before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared for him. Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure of this? For I am an old man, and my wife is old as well. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will be silent, unable to speak, until the day these things take place.
3: Now the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they began to wonder why he was delayed in the holy place. When he came out, he was not able to speak to them. They realized that he had seen a vision in the holy place because he was making signs to them and remained unable to speak. When his time of service was over, he went to his home. After some time, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant, and for five months, she kept herself in seclusion. She said, this is what the Lord has done for me at the time when he has been gracious to me, to take away my disgrace among people.
0: As we think about Zechariah and Elizabeth, I, I can't help but notice two important things that happened to them. The first is that God gave them a report card. Did you notice that? God gave them a report card, and it said that they were righteous in the sight of God following all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blamelessly. What a shining report. What a shining evaluation of these two people. And it's interesting, if you think about it, they were very old, so they had a lot of years. And yet, in spite of all of those years, God was able to say to them, you follow me blamelessly. You are righteous in my sight. So I can't help but wonder, what if the Lord were to write a report card about me or about you? What would it say? You know, as people who who live under the amazing grace of God, we sometimes downplay the fact that we will actually be judged. Yes, Christians will be judged. Now, in that judgment, our salvation is not in question. Our salvation is won only by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross because he died for your sins and my sins. He offers that salvation by his grace, and we receive it by faith. And so our salvation is secure. And yet God will examine and scrutinize our works. What he will do is he's going to look and he's saying, he will ask these questions. Are your works built on the foundation of, of Jesus Christ? That's the first question. The second question is, was that work done by the strength of God or in your own strength? And then the third, did God give, receive the glory from that or did you receive it yourself? The second thing we notice about Zechariah and Elizabeth is that they were faithful 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 in spite of the fact that they were old and they had lived their entire life without children and suffered the social shame that came with that in that society now we don't know the road that they traveled we don't know the the seasons of questioning God what what was God's purpose in their barrenness we don't know the nights that were spent weeping because they had no children. And we don't know the days that were spent in anger. But we, what we do know. Is that in spite of their trial. In spite of their barrenness. God was still able to say. You are righteous in my sight. They saw their trial as a A road. On which their vehicle of faith, their, their, their car of faith, if you will, is riding. And yes, that road has potholes, that road has detours, that road has other cars, it has bad weather and intersections. But they were on a road and they remained faithful on that road. And so again, I think I think we need to examine our lives. Examine them the way that God would examine our lives and make the connection how what is the connection between our vehicle of faith the car that we're in and the road that we're on does that road does every time we hit a pothole does that send us careening or will we remain steady and and not be distracted by this guy's lamborghini or that guy's mercedes-benz will we stay, stay st- steady Or will we go spinning out of control because bad weather has come again? Zechariah and Elizabeth stayed faithful, not only in spite of their trial, but they were faithful through their trial. And that is a key. And so for us today, our takeaway really is, is to ask the question, Am I willing to make the decision today to remain steady, to stay steady in spite of the potholes, in spite of the detours that come up in my life? Will I stay steady? And the truth is that you and I can't stay steady unless we are built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, doing our good works for him by his strength and giving him and him alone the glory. So what is your report card? As we remain steady, we can be assured that God's report card for us will be righteous according to God and faithful to all of God's commands.
2: In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent uh, by God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin, engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, who was a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled by, her, by his words, and she began to wonder about the meaning of this greeting. So the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Listen, you will become pregnant and give birth to a son. And you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end.
3: Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I have not been intimate with a man?
2: The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And look, your relative Elizabeth has also become pregnant with a son in her old age, although she was called barren. She is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God.
1: Let's stand together. You may be seated
3: so Mary said yes I am a servant of the Lord let this happen to me according to your word then the angel departed from her in those days Mary got up and went hurriedly to the hill country to a town of Judah and entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She exclaimed with a loud voice, "'Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child in your womb, and who am I that the mother of my Lord should come and visit me? For the instant the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that what was spoken to her by the Lord would be fulfilled.' And Mary said, "'My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has begun to rejoice in God my Savior.'" because he has looked upon the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, because he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. From generation to generation, he is merciful to those who fear him. He has demonstrated power with his arm. He has scattered those whose pride wells up from the sheer arrogance of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up those of lowly position. He has filled the hungry with good things, and has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy, as he promised to our ancestors, to Abraham and and to his descendants forever.
0: So I just have a brief comment here, and it's directed to our young people, the young people in our church this morning. Last week, Pastor John uh, spoke and he, he taught us that Mary was probably a very young teenager when the angel Gabriel came to her and announced that she would have a new purpose in life. And I want you to know that that was not just a, a random choice on the part of God, nor was it that Mary was sitter, sitting around thinking, oh, I'm just so holy, I can't wait till God comes and, and gives me a child that will be his it wasn't at all that way. But God selected Mary. He selected her specifically because she was a virgin. So we see that Mary was morally pure, both in action and in heart. She was morally pure. She was selected because she was a descendant of King David and we know that the Messiah had to be a descendant of King David because the Lord had promised that David would always have a man on the throne and then we know that that she found favor in God's eyes she was selected because she found favor in God's eyes and God gave her favor because he saw that she was obedient he saw that she trusted in him, and he saw what her response would be. So let's talk for a minute about her obedience. Mary's obedience was immediate, not without question. She had questions. She questioned the Lord, but her obedience was was immediate. You know, the Lord didn't have to say, that's it. I'm tired of your attitude. Get to your room or hand me the keys. You're not going to drive a car for a week. Her her response was immediate obedience, in spite of what it would cost her, in spite of what she knew would take place. You understand what Mary faced here, that if she were to become pregnant, there was no way she could convince her community that it wasn't through a man. Nobody's going to believe that. And Mary was willing to face that. And to obey God and trust him with that. And that's the other point, is that although she was so young, a young teen, I mean, picture maybe 12, 13, 14 years old. At that age, she knew God enough to be able to trust him with her life. To know that the social shame that she would face was worth it because God was worth it. Because God was so much more than that social shame. And we got to see Mary's response to Elizabeth. Did you notice what she did when, when Elizabeth said, you know, you're blessed, you, you're a blessed woman. And when, when you walked into the room, the child in my womb leapt for joy. Mary responded by quoting almost verbatim, the first chapter of 1 Samuel. She knew scripture that well that when her heart was overjoyed, scripture poured out. It was there. She knew the word of God. We're talking about a young teen who knew the word of God that well that when something exciting happened, scripture just flowed out of her. So teens, young adults... Children, I want to say I'm sorry on behalf of us older adults because I think a lot of times we sell you short. We say, you know what, they're just kids, they they haven't reached maturity yet. And so we, we expect very little from you. And I think that to some extent, many young people buy into that because our whole culture does that with young people, don't they? Right you are young adults. You're not kids. We want to keep you as kids a lot of times, but you're young adults, but I'm afraid that you buy into it thinking, well, this whole spiritual thing, this whole God thing, this whole church thing, I'll get it right later. I'll get it right when I arrive as an adult. That's when I'll start worrying about it. But God doesn't wait. God doesn't wait for us to become mature. He doesn't wait for us to become, reach some level of spirituality before he uses us. If he did wait for that, then none of us in here would be able to be used by God. Because none of us have reached that maturity that is only acceptable to God. But God is so gracious with us. And he says, where you're at, I want to use you. So today, young adult, God is calling you. To be a passionate follower of christ god is calling you to know him so well that you'd be willing to obey him in spite of the the cost god is calling you to know god's word so well that when something good or bad happens in your life the first thing in, out of your mouth is his word whether that be a, a psalm of depression or a a passage of rejoicing. And God is calling you to be so moved by his own work in your life that you can no longer be kept down or kept silent. Teens, young adults, children, what are you waiting for? Seriously, what are you waiting for? Don't wait anymore. Now is the time for you to serve the Lord with all the zeal in your heart. Now is the time to fervently and eagerly seek him, to fervently and eagerly learn his word, spend time in his word. Now is the time to be so moved by God that you won't stop talking about him and stop living for him. And now is the time to prioritize him in your life, over your sports, over your after-school activities, over your social life, and parents, I'm going to say it, over school. (gasps) Yeah. Our spiritual lives are that important. They should be the most important thing. And yes, you've got to do well at school, and you've got to go to college, and all that good stuff. But the Lord must be first in all of that young person must be first. If he's not, then you're building your life on on sand, and it's going to fall apart. The Lord must be first. Now is the time. Don't wait. You're not going to arrive at a point and say, ah, now I can finally get serious about spiritual things. Get serious now. Can you be like Mary, who as a young teen must have been studying and memorizing God's word? Can you be like the disciples who, who as young men, gave up their hopes and dreams in order to follow christ are you willing to do that that's the call today oh that we would be a church where our young people are leading the way in that and the rest of us old fogies are looking you and saying that's the way we got to live may that be
3: so mary stayed with elizabeth about three months and then returned to her home Now the time came for Elizabeth to have her baby, and she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they wanted to name him Zechariah after his father. But his mother replied, No, he must be named John. They said to her, But none of your relatives bear this name. So they made signs to the baby's father, inquiring what they wanted to name his son. He asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John, and they were all amazed. Immediately, Zechariah's mouth was opened, and his tongue released, and he spoke, blessing God. All their neighbors were filled with fear, and throughout the entire hill country of Judea, all these things were talked about. All who heard these things kept them in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the Lord's hand was indeed with him.
2: Then his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel because he has come to help and has redeemed his people. For he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from long ago, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. He has done this to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham. This oath grants that we being rescued from the hand of our enemies, may serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him for as long as we live. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the dawn will break upon us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Now the child kept growing and becoming strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day he was revealed to Israel.
1: Let's continue our worship through song. Let's stand together and sing. remain standing.
2: Now the birth of Jesus Christ happened this way. While his mother Mary was engaged to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband-to-be, was a righteous man, and because he did not want to disgrace her, he intended to divorce her privately. When he had contemplated this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. This all happened so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet would be fulfilled. Look, the virgin will conceive and bear a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did what the angel of the Lord told him. He took his wife, but did not have marital relations with her.
3: Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus to register all the empire for taxes. This was the first registration, taken when Quirinus was governor of Syria. Everyone went to his own town to be registered. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to a city of David called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David. He went to be registered with Mary, was promised to him in marriage, and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn.
1: Let's continue singing. Holy down his sweet head, the stars in the sky look down there, the little Lord Jesus asleep on the head. Thank you. You may be seated.
0: So there was no place for Mary and Joseph. So they hauled up in a stable. Now, over the 2,000 years since this event took place, we have sanitized it in our little, little manger scenes and everything. It's very clean. And I know that many sermons have been preached to remind us just what it was like for this first century couple. For Joseph to be be near panicking, trying to find a place for his wife, who is probably in labor. A place for her to give birth to this child. For Mary, who, being in labor and riding on the back of a donkey, could not have been a good situation. I'm sure she was not comfortable at all. But there was no room for them. And so they found a stable, a place where animals sleep. And she gave birth to her baby, and there wasn't a place to, to put her baby down. And so she put him in the feeding trough of these animals. These events took place exactly as the scriptures speak them. But I want to look at some, some deeper poetry here, the, the significance of, of what is taking place in this. You see, this is a picture of the world's rejection of Christ. The Apostle John said that Jesus was in the world, and though the world was created by him, the world did not recognize him. He came to what was his own, but his own did not receive him. His own people did not receive him. And this was a pattern through Jesus' life. His ministry began at around age 30, and it started in the town of his upbringing, the town of Nazareth. And while he was in Nazareth, he he spoke, and he, he said, I am the Messiah. I'm the the one who is coming from God. And they were so enraged by this that they drove him to the one cliff in Nazareth to push him off, but he was able to escape through the crowd. And then that, that reception of him, or rejection of him, I should say, continued through his three years of ministry. The religious right hated him, the political left hated him, they accused him of heresy, They accused him of being a false prophet, a false teacher. They said he was an insurrectionist. And eventually, they drove him to the Roman governor to be crucified. And the Roman governor, one last time, said, Will you take him back? Will you receive him back? And they said, No, there's no room. There's no room for that guy. We have no room for that kind of a person in our lives. The Apostle John, who said that the world would reject Jesus, also said this, But to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he has given the right to become God's children. So you see, we're not obligated to reject God. We're not obligated to reject Jesus Christ. Some will actually receive him, the Apostle John tells us. Some will actually believe on his name and put their trust in him. And for all of those who do, they will become children of God. They are given the right to become the children of God, which means that God becomes their father. We are born again, born again, just as Jesus was born in Bethlehem. We become born again into God's family, when we receive him, when we believe in his name. Our reception of him, we talked about this a few weeks ago, our reception of Jesus determines the level of blessing and curse we receive. To those who receive Jesus, they are promised the blessing, the blessing of new life, the blessing of a new identity, and that identity is to become a child of God, That identity is that God is now our father. To those who reject Christ, Jesus tells them that they will remain the same as they have been. And it's the same as those who during Christ's life continue to reject him and say there's no room. And you know what Jesus said about them? That God was not their father, that instead their father was Satan the enemy. But we're not obligated to stay there. God gives us the opportunity to come out from that family and come into the family of God. And that happens by receiving him and believing on his name. And so this morning, I must ask if you're here, if you've not done that, will you do that today? Will you receive Jesus as your Savior today? Come out from from the family of darkness and come into the kingdom of light where God is your father and Jesus Christ is your co-heir. Today is an opportunity to do that. You'll never have a better Christmas in your life than if you do that today. Now, for those of us who follow Christ, for those who have believed on his name, for those who have received him, there's another lesson here that we need to learn You see, I say that because many of us have consigned Jesus to the stable in the backyard. Jesus, you just stay there. I'll live my life. I'm going to stay here, live my life, but but you stay there. You're nice and neat back there. And I can control what I want to control here. But Jesus says, I want to be in the house. I want to be in every room. I want to see every corner. I want to be in every closet. And we're afraid. We're afraid to show that darkness to the Lord. Oh, but his light is good. And his light is soft. And his light is cleansing. But Lord, I want control. So instead of giving the Lord control, we control him by keeping him in the backyard. Hey, believer, you will never have a better Christmas than if today you say, Lord, I invite you into every room. Every single room in my heart is yours. And I want you in it. And I want you to be Lord of that room. And I'm going to submit to you in that. Jesus wants control, not because he's a control freak but because he knows when we give him control, we are most blessed. And you will have a most blessed Christmas if today you give every part of your heart over to the Lord. Don't withhold anything from him. Let him be Lord of every room today.
2: Now there were shepherds nearby living out in the field, keeping guard over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were absolutely terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Listen carefully, for I proclaim to you good news that brings great joy to all the people. Today, your Savior is born in the city of David. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly a vast heavenly army appeared with the angel, and they were praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and uh, and on earth peace among people with whom he is pleased.
1: Let's stand together. Let's sing.
3: to heaven the shepherds said to one another let us go over to bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place that the lord has made known to us so they hurried off and located mary and joseph and found the baby lying in a manger when they saw him they related what they had been told about this child and all who heard it were astonished at what the shepherds said but mary treasured up these words in her heart pondering in her heart what they might mean so that the shepherds returned glorifying, and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. Everything was just as they had been told. At the end of the eight days, when he was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb.
1: What child is this? you. you may be seated
3: now when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses Joseph and Mary brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord just as it is written in the law of the Lord every firstborn male will be set apart to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is specified in the law of the Lord a pair of doves or two young pigeons
2: Now there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon, who was righteous and devout, looking for the restoration of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So Simeon, directed by the Spirit, came into the temple courts, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary according to the law, Simeon took him in his arms and blessed God, saying, "'Now, according to your word, Sovereign Lord,' Permit your servant to depart in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. So the child's father and mother were amazed at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, listen carefully, this child is destined to be the cause of the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be rejected. Indeed, as a result of him, the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will will pierce your own soul as well.
3: There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old, having been married to her husband for seven years until his death. She had lived as a widow since then for 84 years. She never left the temple, worshipping with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came up to them and began to give thanks to God and to speak about the child to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem.
2: After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, in the time of King Herod, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, and they were saying, Where is the one who is born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was alarmed, and all of Jerusalem with him. After assembling the chief priests and experts in the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they said, for it is written this way by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are in no way least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Let's stand together and let's sing.
1: be seated.
3: Then Herod privately summoned the wise men and determined from them when the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and look carefully for the child. When you find him inform me so that I can go and worship him as well. After listening to the king they left and once again the star they saw when it rose led them until it stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they shouted joyfully. As they came into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother. They bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasure boxes and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. After being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went back by another route to their own country.
2: After they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, "'Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt.' And stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to look for the child to kill him. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and he went to Egypt. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he became enraged. He sent men to kill all the children in Bethlehem and throughout the surrounding region from the age of two and under, according to the time he had learned from the wise men.
3: After Herod had died an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were seeking the child's life are dead. So he got up and took the child and his mother and returned to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. After being warned in a dream, he went to the regions of Galilee. He came to a town called Nazareth and lived there. Then what had been spoken by the prophets was fulfilled, that Jesus would be called a Nazarene. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him.
0: Well, as we leave the narrative of the events that surrounded the birth of Jesus, we leave Jesus in the town of Nazareth. Now, Nazareth was such a small town that it appeared on no maps of the time. We have no record of any map showing Nazareth uh, on, on the map. In fact, only the New Testament mentions the town of Nazareth. There's no other writing from that time period that talks about that town. It's not until about 100 years later that the town of Nazareth starts appearing in some of the writings. We know that Nazareth was probably not much bigger than just a few families. We know, though, that it was big enough to have its own synagogue and that that synagogue owned a scroll from the prophet Isaiah. may have had more, but we know for sure it had the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. So what's important about this is that the town of Nazareth The word Nazareth comes from the Hebrew word Nazir, which means branch. Isaiah spent about 66 chapters telling Israel that they need a Messiah. Telling the world that the world needs a Savior. Telling the world that a Savior would come from the lineage of King David. Isaiah says this. A shoot, a branch, will come up from the stump of Jesse, Jesse being David's father. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. And that branch is Jesus. Jesus, who came in the line of King David. We learn more about the branch from Isaiah when he says that the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes, nor make a decision by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the poor and decide with fairness for the afflicted on the earth. Then in that day, the nations will resort to the root of Jesse. Now Isaiah says he's not only the branch of Jesse, he's also the root of Jesse. He's he's Jesse's source and Jesse's descendant. And this root of Jesse will stand as a signal for the people. And his resting place will be glorious. Then it will happen on that day that the Lord will reign again and recover the second, for the second time with his hand, the remnant of his people. So Jesus came to establish a kingdom. A kingdom. And, and, and just like the people of, who were contemporary with Jesus needed to learn... We need to learn that that kingdom was a kingdom to be set up in the hearts of people. It's a kingdom of hearts. He wants to be your king. When Jesus was in Nazareth, he opened up that scroll of Isaiah and he read this portion. And he said that this portion was referring to him. It said that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because God has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight for the blind, to set free those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You see, Jesus, in setting up his kingdom, he wants your heart. He wants to reach your heart. He wants to release you from your prisons. He wants to recover your sight And take away your blindness. He wants to free you from those things that oppress you. From the things that hold you captive. That's what Jesus does when he sets up his kingdom in our hearts. And he does this for all who receive him. For all who believe on his name. He releases us. He frees us. He sets us free. But not only did he come to set up a kingdom in the hearts of people. He came to set up a kingdom on this earth because he is the king of the universe. And there will come a time when every nation will bow down to him, to this ultimate ruler who will judge by God's standards, who will judge fairly and uprightly. And all the corruption of the governments that exist today, of every government, will have to give answer to Jesus Christ who rules in righteousness. And in God's holiness. Right now, you and I have the choice to make him king of our hearts. We have that choice. That choice is before you today. Will you make Jesus the king of your heart? But there will come a time when that choice is no longer ours to make. When he will absolutely be the king of the universe. And those who have invited him to be the king of their heart will be with him will reign with him and will enjoy his love forever. But those who say, nope, I have no room for this king, those who will not make him king of their heart, they will not be able to be a part of that eternal happiness. And they will be a part of eternal suffering and eternal hell. He will be king. And those who have asked him to be king of their heart, will be with him forever. That is the promise we have as believers. That same disciple who said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? That same disciple, after he got to know Jesus, said, rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. You see, When he first said, can anything good come from Nazareth, he didn't know Jesus. Once he got to know Jesus, he knew and he understood that Jesus really is the son of God. Jesus is God himself. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is king and will reign forever. And he acknowledged that. And you and I have that opportunity today. We have the opportunity to say the same thing. And so that's what I ask you for this Christmas this Christmas, will you take time to get to know Jesus? Because when you get to know him, when you get to know the love that he has for you, that he would give himself up and die on the cross in order to pay the penalty for your sin so that you would not have to experience spiritual death and separation from God. When you learn that he loved you that much, then you will say, you are the Son of God, and you are the King of my heart. And this King is coming to establish a kingdom on earth. And if you want to be with God, then invite him into your heart. Let's stand together now. We're going to sing Joy to the World, which is talking about the time when Christ will come and establish his kingdom on this earth.
1: And heaven and nature sing And heaven and nature sing And heaven and heaven and nature sing Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns Let men their songs employ While fields and floods Rocks, hills and plains Repeat the sounding joy repeat the sounding joy repeat repeat the sounding joy no more let sins and sorrows grow nor thorns infest the ground he comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found far as the curse is found far as far as the curse is found he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders,
0: wonders of his love. Well, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. We have a Savior. Someone who saved us came to die on the cross for our sins. We have a Savior, and may each of us live in a way that is worthy of the gospel. Amen. Praise the Lord.